This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 108, 2020 Prelim Map. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. I did business time really excited last week, and so this is this week where it's like, hey man, like we got stuff to take care of, but it's like on your own schedule, like not a big deal. <laughs> okay. I just want to let you know some stuff. Like right. we're just really chill. Uh, I'm I'm like not a big you know pusher or anything like that at all, but I wanted to let you all know that you should totally yeah register for the tournament kind of a kind of a google yeah well we're we're google this this week we're like a (laughs) millennial style office where it's like dude we don't really have desks you kind of just like do stuff wherever um there's kombucha in the commissary if you want to check that out Uh, (laughs) as, 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 as much as you want uh, just drink it all day and, you know, and poo all day, you know, cause that's what just kombucha poo. has you do. Um, we're here, <laughs> we're here. And if you're listening to our voices right now, uh, I just want to go ahead and let everybody know that the registration, uh, for the 2020 Patreon tournament is out. You should have gotten it in your emails and have already yes. signed up for it. There are 216 spots and there will be a map from the future interrupting me right now if those spots have already been filled i hope they haven't god i hope they haven't uh okay yeah matt from the future here and you all are crazy uh and this 216 person tournament filled up in less than 12 hours so a little bit unexpected uh on our part and so we are now Basically, what we have done is uh, more people have been signing up since the 216 filled up, and those people are all on what is called the wait list. The wait list, obviously, is not a guarantee to be in the tournament, uh, but we had plenty of drops last year. Plenty of people couldn't make it in, so we will definitely be pulling from the wait list to fill spots of people that end up having to drop out of the tournament later on down the road. We will be closing signups probably sometime soon because we can't just keep letting it go forever and and give too many people false hopes. Uh, The the waitlist is already getting pretty big, and and I have no idea at what point uh, it's really kind of unrealistic that you being on the waitlist is going to guarantee you entry not guarantee you but you know give you a shot at entry so please uh play along with us while we kind of figure this out uh but we are also incredibly honored that you all were so interested in being a part of this that you sold us out in it was actually about 10 hours uh, when 216 filled up over 100 people signed up in the first 15 minutes so you guys made us feel very cool. Back to the show. It's always it's weird when we predict a map for the future, but then also like if there's no if no map for the future showed up, then great. Like yeah. screw yeah. that guy. He's so rude. Yeah. Uh, I I gotta say I'm a big map from the present guy. Um, love you, buddy. <laughs> I don't that guy map from the future is that's not even the same guy. I don't even know who if that you guy had, is. If you had known Matt from the past, Hunter, he'd be your favorite. But yeah. alas, there there are three mats that exist. <laughs> And then there's all the mats that don't that don't exist in this plane because they are probability wise going off into different 
realms of possibility. You know what I mean? There's like and that's what my every time I make a decision, that's what I'm doing is processing yeah. and consulting with all of the other mats and the and other that's, timelines. That's and why you have how such, things went. You have such bad <laughs> analysis paralysis because you're consulting with all possible mats in the in your supercomputer. You're consulting with all the mats. There's goth mat. There's beach mat. There's lumberjack mat. That guy, he's hot. Um, there's I like cowboy mat and I like dark cowboy mat. Those are my two favorites. <laughs> those are those are some of the best. Some of the best mats that exist. Dark well, cowboy hey, mat. That has to be a enough meme. about enough about me's. Yeah, uh, it's time to talk about. The the map we did this a lot last year, and if you're newer to the show, maybe you're not familiar. Uh, but in our tournament, we have pre-made maps, and we like to tell you about them and break them down and uh, let you in on the skinny. Um, so we are just now uh, this week publishing our official map for the prelim round. Uh, so if we get our 216 people, 36 individual games of Twilight Imperium will get played on this map uh, alone. I mean, there will be more than that, but in the tournament. 36 games on this map. We love doing it this way because it lets us collect a lot of information about different types of decision. You know, if we keep the map as a constant, we get to look at all the other variables a lot closer. So it's a very, very fun experiment. And if anything, it's like one of the biggest reasons I personally like doing the tournament is to like learn more about the game uh, kind of from this standpoint. So today we're revealing the map. And we're, we're going to talk through the slices a little bit. Uh, this, this year is a lot different than last year's, though. So maybe we kind of have to re-go over. We did this a couple weeks ago, but we should give the, the basics of the new drafting method and how the map is very, very much designed around that. So let's. It's it's a super simple draft. That's the big improvement from last year. Is yeah. last year's draft was like very convoluted and hard to remember. This year, it's super basic. You all roll a die. Uh, that die roll is your drafting order. Highest roll is given speaker right away, but then the rest of the draft is in drafting order based on what your rolls were. Yes. Right? So 10 down to 1. Then speaker starts and they ban a faction. And you go in draft order with each player banning a faction. Then in reversed draft, reverse draft order, uh, you pick a slice of the map. Right. So speaker will pick their slice last, meaning speaker doesn't get to pick their slice at yes, all. They just get yes. left with whatever is remains. Uh, then in speaker uh, speaker first draft order, you once again now pick your faction for the slice you already have assigned. So last year we did like a weird like you could either pick your th- your slice or pick your faction. That is not the case this year. You definitely pick slice, then you pick faction. Uh, So what we've decided to do with that is lean into some of the things that happen when you know where speaker order is when you're drafting uh, and the the types of decisions that get made. And so we decided to make a really imbalanced map. Uh, it It is not at all symmetrical. Well, there's some symmetry to it, but not in the numbers and not in how mm-hmm. the slices feel. Yes. Um, it is intentionally designed to be imbalanced. Um, I will say, too, for those of you just wanting to play the map in general, we will actually, in, in the post for the map, uh, we will have instructions on how to play without the draft, which the instructions are simple. Roll for speaker order and assign each player the position in speaker order, right? So you start in uh, the blue. We're going to name all these slices here in a a minute, but in the 12 o'clock blue position, you automatically force the speaker to sit there, and in speaker order, you, you go around the table 
each person having to take the next slice, then speaker picks faction in order without any bands or anything like that. So the draftless version is just assigning speaker to blue, rolling for speaker order, and picking factions, and then you jump right into the game. Yeah. That is that is the simplest way to get into this, and that's the non-tournament version. The tournament version is what we just kind of went over. Yes. Um, and one thing I want to say at this point in the episode is that uh, if you're thinking, oh my god, this is going to be an episode where they're talking about a map on Tabletop Simulator, and I need a visual reference for this. Um, I will have, uh, by the time this episode is released, already played an example game, um, and hopefully already have that edited and out on YouTube. Uh, fingers crossed. But I, it should yeah. happen. It will happen. It will be out. Go ahead and pull that YouTube up right now. Check out the video right. so you can see the map. You can see it being played on so that you understand, basically. Yeah, yeah. not to mention we'll have the Reddit post of the map itself. We'll yes. link that in the description of this video. Uh, I'll even try to add the link to the YouTube video once uh, that is up. Um, so all of that should be in the description of the of this podcast episode uh, so that you can enjoy all of that in its different iterations. But let's get to it. I want to talk about this map. I'm so freaking excited. This is essentially version four of the map for people who have been keeping up in like on the Discord or on BoardGameGeek. I've been posting it around a lot of places uh, and we've been working on this map for basically a month um, with different iterations. I made a couple of absolute... Actually, we made one minor tweak uh, from version three to this and... Uh, this that that's the only difference basically is one small change, but beyond that, I I loved the feedback we got from version three. I really appreciate everybody who played games on this while it was in kind of a tested state, and uh, I think most of those people will vouch for it being a very fun map. So if you have if you have reservations about this style of map leaning into the imbalances and everything, as far as I can tell, it has played out okay. I have seen wins in every single slice so far. Yes. So. Take that as, as uh, uh, you know, re- hold your reservations at the door. Right. So and, uh, and, and also, let's... I want to point, point out, um, you've said a couple times the map is imbalanced. It, it isn't. It's balanced with the draft, right? That's it's, true. Yes, it, it's, it's right. The slices are not balanced, but the, the system of how you go about picking your factions against your uh, slices against your speaker order, that is all what the balance is trying to, to take advantage of. Yes. Totally. All right, let's do it. Let's start. Are we going to start with 12 o'clock? The blue Let's the start blue with spot? 12 o'clock. Blue slice. We call it blue because that's like what it looks like on Tabletop Simulator. That's where it ends up getting assigned. If you're trying to play this map at home, obviously you don't have a blue chair that you're sitting this person in. But <laughs> blue, 12 o'clock is a little slice we're calling Speakeasy. Speakeasy. So this is... Speakeasy is... Uh, it's very aptly named because, well, it's where the speaker is almost definitely going to always end up no matter what yes uh it's it's uh it's designed to be the worst slice although everything about this map will be debatable so my the the reason we assume speak easy will definitely get the speaker token is first off the all the other slices are definitely better and it is basically the worst but because you know white green red and yellow are all significantly better by the time it gets to the last two picks the second to last person to pick would be kind of foolish to pick speakeasy at this point because what they would be then doing to themselves is granting themselves last in speaker order for the first round of play, right? The, the, the speaker is the last person to pick a slice, and if you are second to last and you let them sit to the left of you, you are dooming yourself to a bad strategy card pick. So between purple and blue, between speakeasy and, and its adjacent slice, 
it would be crazy for you to take speakeasy over purple, right? So so that's essentially the number one reason that like we just leaned into the speaker issue here. Uh, you've got an empty wormhole on your path to Mechatol, not directly in front of you, but on your path. Uh, the empty side of wormholes are always regarded as uh, more inconvenient. And so this is going to allow people into your slice, but it also gives you an interesting option to have access to more areas of the board. Um, the interesting thing about speakeasy is because you know you are getting first choice of speaker order, you get to guarantee that you have kind of the round one that you want to have, right? Like you can get tech or warfare if you need it. Uh, it's, this this is where those factions where, oh, I only play this faction if I'm early in speaker order. Uh, this is where that kind of strategy gets to shine. So you could maybe make an early play jumping through the beta wormhole. More importantly, you could make an early play dumping yourself into White's slice. You could you could be moving faster than they probably are able to, and that will grant you access to more of the slice. You also have three cultural planets. You've got Cornique and Resculon. You've got Centauri and Grawl. And those are all the planets in your slice. You've got a nebula sort of protecting you from a neighbor. It's basically an interesting balance of... I'm kind of protected from my neighbors, but because I could make an early jump, I could actually really get in their way and annoy them if I wanted to. I could take an early lead from one of my neighbors and, and hold that over them all game by, by using my early strength. So the, I think the thing that really annoys me most about this slice is that you have the only skip that you have access to is on Grawl. It's a blue skip. Um, and on the other side of Grawl, uh, in your equidistant between you and your neighbor, is an asteroid field. So that blue skip is useless. Well, it's not completely useless, yeah. <laughs> but you probably want you're you're sitting in a slice where you probably will want anti-mass at some point or at least it will be annoying for you to not have it. And anti-mass is I feel like we've said this many times on the show, kind of the only blue worth skipping. Like if you're going down blue at all, like why would you skip? Like there's nothing else you would skip basically. The or the yeah, rest of it's yeah. all great. Um so yeah, it it's a little bit it's a little bit illogical there in that it, it just feels it feels like a dumb skip. And I think that's part of the slice. That's part of the design of it is that your slice, it's it's kind of dumb in some ways. Um, I yeah. like the nebula on the on. Uh, it's not in front of your home system, but it's uh, one of the sides. It's on the other side, opposite Centauri Grawl is a nebula. So you're a little bit turtly little bit defended um, having the asteroid field in the equidistant and then the nebula right next to your home. Uh, could add up to, oh, you're a little hard to get to, but also you don't have anything that anybody particularly wants besides a lot of, um, a lot of cultural planets, basically. You've got three cultural right, planets right. in your, in your slice. Um, everybody kind of, I would say one of the things I like about this map is the route to, um, various types feels, uh, very well-defined. Um, and we'll yeah, kind of get to that Yeah, the planet traits are, are, are really spread out the tech skips are really spread out so objectives are contentious like you have to get out there and hurt people to to score four of a trait uh or three tech skips or anything like that right uh the other thing i, I kind of brought up warfare earlier but i want to point out that this slice actually isn't particularly great with warfare right you don't you've got two adjacent to home and then it's a big question mark of like where you should be going next uh and it almost guarantees you'll be going into a neighbor so it's i feel like it's more likely we're going to see stuff like tech or trade or something like that taken first right and it ignoring warfare round one uh, and that's going to have interesting implications on our purple slice that we'll get to later but hunter what what are uh what are your top what's one of your top faction picks for well, this slice so what's interesting about speakeasy 
is um, a lot of people have kind of already gamed it out in that when they, in the draft, when they draw speaker, they tend to not ban one of the best factions. They ban a faction they don't want to play against as like a personal bias. Um, but right. they tend to try your goal in the banning phase if you're if you get the speaker is to get a really good faction into the game because guess what you're getting that faction you're gonna pick faction first um, so I feel like really what it comes down to is you want whatever the best faction is this is this is a really good slice for versatile players that know how to play a lot of the very good factions I mean some of the some of the ones that seem especially good are I think Sar would be really good here if Sar even makes it into a single game. I mean, for me personally, I'm banning Sar every game as far as I'm concerned right. in the tournament. But if it makes it through, this is the slice that's going to get it. Um, you've got a really really good asteroid field. You've got um, again blue skip kind of useless doesn't really make a difference there. Um, but chaos mapping into that asteroid field and just ruining purple's game. Uh, that seems fun, and that seems like uh, that would be a very, very good uh, combination. Uh, any yeah. factions I have that you to give, feel? I have to give some kudos to. Uh, I kind of like Nalu here again for the main reason of it's going to be like maybe if if Nalu becomes available, it's one of the best factions you could have access to, and I wouldn't want to see it get into anybody else's hands. And also, I've got that blue skip, and if anybody wants to skip any mass uh, to just get a quick fighter two, it's Nalu. So I don't think. Other, I don't think there's really that many other reasons why it's an amazing Nalu slice. You've got a green skip nearby, uh, so you could try to skip up to Neuroglave. Uh, so with those two reasons in mind, it's not too bad. Uh, it's not like you're needing lots and lots and lots of money as Nalu. So uh, the, the resources on a problem, I will say it's not quite as much influence as I would like to see, but you can make it work. I mean, you've got Centauri and Kornik, and if you take Tarman... You could use that as your other three. You could get two command counters per leadership pop. So it's not, it's really not that bad for a Nalu uh, slice, in my opinion. Right. And I, I think it really just comes down to what's going to be the best. I think, okay, so we have one kind of wild card faction that you've thrown in here, uh, which is Ghost. Um, and I think the reason we're throwing in Ghost is because you get the, you get what is considered the bad side of the B wormhole. But I feel like Ghost doesn't really care. Um, in general, the good side or bad side, I just want to have a wormhole near me. Um, right. Your neighbor also has the good side of the alpha wormhole right in front of their home system, meaning that if you want to pull some hijinks, that might there might be some possibility there. Um, but especially considering like dimensional splicer or something like that. I personally think though that's a wild pick. Personally, like yeah. ghosts. It's kind of wild. Slice. There's. There's two other reasons that I think ghosts uh, get picked here. One, it's that same blue-green tech skip thing. I, I think ghosts um, skipping a blue tech to get carrier two and getting neural and then skipping a green tech to get infantry two uh, is really, really efficient use of those tech skips for them and gets them to a pretty powerful position really fast. Uh, and more importantly, I think purple is a really great uh, ghost slice as well. And if I'm sitting in blue and my purple neighbor has indicated that they're looking to get ghosts, I think it might be kind of a pain in my side to let ghosts get to them. And if I can make ghosts work in blue, I think I'd rather take it over letting my neighbor get it. Yeah. Um, I have an interesting question for Speakeasy. Are there any top-tier factions that you wouldn't pick for Speakeasy if they came out? Any of the, like, top six that you I, feel like I don't make see, sense? I think that... 
you should pick Soul here, but I could see why people wouldn't pick Soul here. Yeah, uh, people really want the highway to Mechatol. You don't need the highway, right? Because you, you're going to get gravity drive, so you're going to jump from Cornique Rescue on to Mechatol Rex. But I, I can kind of empathize with that decision to not take Soul here. Um, but I, if it were me, I'd probably take Soul here. Yeah, I probably would too. Um, but yeah, I could, I could see the argument. You are. The, the way, uh, one of the cool things about the map design is every other slice has a highway to Mechatol, um, and then the others do not. They either have an empty space, uh, an empty wormhole space, right. uh, or an asteroid field, basically. So that that yeah. is... We also, we haven't talked generally about uh, the, the styles of neighbors, because that's the other design philosophy of this map, is every single slice has two types of neighbors. And we should probably give, we need to come up with a term. We didn't do this beforehand, so Hunter, we're going to have to come up with a term on the fly here. But you have two distinct types of neighbors. Uh, each player either has a neighbor with whom they have no planets in between your home system and their home system. So in that third ring, there are no planets, but instead you share a single equidistant planet, which is one of the industrial planets with a tech skip, right? It's Tarman, it's Thiba, or it's Wellen. So you either share an equidistant with one neighbor or the exact opposite. There is no planet in the equidistant and you have a planet highway between you yeah. and your neighbor's home system. So with with uh, Speakeasy here, you have a nebula and an empty space between you and white, but you have Tarman between you and white. And between you and purple, you have Centauri Grawl and then Mehar Zul, but then you have an asteroid field in the equidistant. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know. The only thing that really comes to mind is the idea of like, some of them share cubicles and some of them... <laughs> share like a water cooler you know like right. you go out and meet them there and some of you are tucked back doing your and, own and literally you're, you're behind yeah. the <laughs> your your stuff is right next to each other's stuff you know you can see their desk they can see your desk if you do something weird with your it. desk they're gonna know about it so cubicle there it is cubicle buddies <laughs> and then water cooler friends all right. Well, Hunter, break down uh, purple for me. Yeah. Give me that name. So, so purple is called Lil Brudder, um, which is a Homestar <laughs> reference that I don't understand. Uh, can you tell? Actually, <laughs> I'm going to throw it right back to you. Tell us about Lil Brudder real quick, and then I'll tell you about the slice. So I'll tell you about Lil Brudder. Lil Brudder is a little one-legged dog. And he he's he's trying as hard as he can. Uh, he's gonna run a, a hundred. Mi- he's gonna he's he's gonna be a quarterback someday. And we just believe in him because he's got the heart of a champion. Uh, and and boy, is it the saddest story you've ever seen. Yeah. So that didn't make any sense to me. But uh, anyways, <laughs> I, I well I'll, actually I'll tell you why I like the name. Uh, is I feel like this is uh, this is the second worst slice. Uh, and Lil Brudder just seems like a good way to describe that. Um, I think there's a lot of potentially good things about this slice. Uh, it has some problems. I don't think it's as bad as the slice we just got done talking about, but I think there's probably going to be a lot of people that try and make that argument. So I think this is kind yes. of your underdog slice um, because you're getting second worst slice, but you're not getting the benefit of getting able to pick first. Um, one of the things about this slice, and actually I'll do a, just a quick overview of the entire slice. So, um, on either side of our home system, we have Mehar Zul, which is uh, our cubicle buddy with the blue player that we just got done describing. Uh, so that's a 1-3 with a red skip. And on the other side, we have an empty... Do we just have empty space? Um, right in front of our home system, we have Lodor, which is a 3-1, uh, which also has an alpha wormhole in it. But it's the good side, so that's not too bad. Um, one of the worst things about this slice, by the way, is round one, you've only got two planets. You've got Mehar Zul, and you've got Lodor. 
Um, you're right next to Mechatol. Uh, your path to Mechatol Hex is Arnor Lore, which is a 2-1 and a 1-2. Um, so not too bad. Uh, I would say one of the main problems is that uh, our only skip is a red skip. Um, the fact that you're kind of like getting a second pick, but like it's, I don't know. I think there's a lot of weird gaminess uh, to this slice. However, that being said, um, both me and Matt kind of agree that there is a likelihood that you're going to get a lot of access to warfare um, than you would normally. A lot of t In a lot of games, warfare is one of the most common first picks for speaker, um, but it doesn't feel like speakeasy is really going to have a lot of good stuff to do with warfare. Um, we say that, but then I bet like uh, we're going to be com proved completely wrong on that point. Um, <laughs> but it feels like just the way the slice is set up. I mean, if you take warfare, the best thing you're going to be able to do with it, I think, is get ready for Mechatol. And you don't have a very good slice to just like take Mechatol with um, without basically forfeiting like all of your planets round two, which seems kind of early. Um you could take Warfare and go after Tarman and the Equidistant, but regardless, I think we're all thinking that Warfare is probably going to end up, more often than not, uh, an option for you round one in Lil Brudder, which means with Warfare, you could go ahead and fill out your slice. So, yeah, we've only got these two planets, but there are a 3-1 and a 1-3, which isn't horrible. Um, and then if we get Warfare, we we filled out the entire slice in going into round two. Um, I, I think having a... a a wormhole right in front of your home system is kind of always a disadvantage. I'm glad it is um, a good, the good side. Um, I think this is the slice that we will see make pretty wild plays for Mechatol more often than not, just yep. because they don't have a lot going on. Uh, and they kind of just, it just feels like that's, this is the one where you're going to need to go for it. You're going to be able to set up for it too, because you get second pick, round one. So if you take Warfare, you're set up to go after Mechatol. You filled out your slice. You're going to have enough influence just in your slice to even make it. Anyways, what were you going to say, Matt? Yeah, I think this is just the funkiest player at the table. That you just have the weirdest access to things. You have kind of the best options. And I think we're going to see a lot of really wild play come out of uh, this this little brother slice. Um, I, I definitely think people are going to really freak out about the only two planets adjacent to home. But... Um, like you kind of detailed, I think that there's plenty of room to to make up for that um, in in round two, or even if you do get warfare round one, I, I think you're gonna be fine. Right. Um, and you also you've got the your equidistant with your uh, water cooler neighbor to your left is a Thiba blue skip, which is equally kind of weird, right? We've got the two blue skips kind of close to each other, and they're both essentially surrounding an asteroid field. So I don't really see that blue skip making much use mm -hmm. for our little brother. But uh, I think this slice is the kind of slice that I would gravitate towards. Is the kind of slice I would feel comfortable in because i'm looking to just make kind of crazy plays and and really make action happen uh and that's why for me i think it's a really great uh ghost of creus slice yeah this is obviously this is the wormhole cool. in front of home is good uh a red skip right adjacent to you so that you can skip to dimensional splicers is super super handy um you've got a decent amount of influence that you have access to basically mehar lore and then if you get thiba 
you know, that's two command counters per leadership. That's kind of what you, you know, you want to try to get six influence. That's ideal. And I think ghosts can pull that off here. Uh, and if anything, it gives you even faster access to Mechatol Rex. Hunter, you pointed out a really interesting thing about the ploy to take Mechatol Rex and what you have sort of distinct access to when you're in this slice. I think um, if if we go with the idea that you might get access to warfare, we can kind of map out um, a round one where you move on to Lodor, and then before having to spend warfare, you can get a space dock down on Lodor, which as a ghost player would be flipping cool, right? That's We're making even more use of our mobility using Lodor as our staging area versus using our home system as our staging area. Um, I think the likelihood that you're going to be able to pull that off is very high. I will say this, though. While I think Ghost is really interesting here, I do think because your second pick after all the bands that you will probably get access to some of the more like mid tier or possibly even high tier factions. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way. Cause we sort of already talked about it, but we feel like speakeasy might not pick soul as often as, uh, yeah. as most players probably would. Um, Therefore, if Soul happens to make it through the ban, the likelihood that you're going to get Soul as a little brother, I feel like is pretty high. And I think if you get that opportunity, I mean, you got to take it, right? Like, I think that's Absolutely. that's a better pick than even Ghost. Like, Ghost is the interesting wild play. Soul is like, yeah, that's solid. Um, yeah. The fact that you are this early in picking factions and you have a slice that can take Mechatol early, yeah, I feel like that's a no-brainer. Um, the other yeah. two that I feel like we've talked about are kind of more mid-tier, just like these factions are just good. Uh, Barony, uh, for, I think, super obvious reasons. Um, and then L1, which maybe needs to be justified a little bit more. Um, I feel like L1 is just a faction that's kind of perfectly on the tier list that they will make it in. So you will get access to them. And I think at this point in the draft, L1 is probably going to be one of the most common best factions available to you. Yeah. Um, and definitely. honestly, they're just th like that, that home system, that five resources balanced with this like kind of higher influence slice, uh, I feel like is going to serve you well. Um, that's kind of all I have, though. I, I, besides that, I think this one is just like pick pick the best faction you can get a hold of. Um, if for, you know, if for some reason they all mess up and Jolnar makes it to you, get Jolnar, like just get whatever you can get essentially right, for this right. one. Yeah. The, the other thing too, just to drive home the Mechatol idea here, again, we're thinking you, you're going to be able to make aggressive plays because you know, you're early in the speaker order. And if you do manage to take your entire slice round one, you've got the one, three Mehar Zul, the one, two lore, that's five influence already. All you need is one more influence. You could spend Arnor, or if you manage to luck across a trade good, you could easily have the influence necessary to take Mechatol Rex round one and be in a great position to do so. Right. Um, so that that's just one more notch in the belt for why this is probably a pretty great Mechatol slice uh, if, if you set yourself up for it. I think the biggest thing with purple for me is you do have to play with its weaknesses in mind, maybe more than any other slice at this table. Uh, th this one, you have to look at it and go, I can't just pick any old faction here. I have to understand what this slice is good at and what it is not good at. Um, a, a very, very turtly slow faction is not going to have a great time in this slice because you're not getting enough stuff early on, right. uh, which means you're not getting enough plastic on the board early on, which means somebody else is probably dipping into your slice 
pretty quickly. Yeah, I'll I'll say this. I think um, sort of similar to Speakeasy, there is a we need to be, be prioritizing the best faction available. Um, with Ghosts, I think being the only real exception, because I do think we will see a lot of games where uh, more than one of the top tier factions sneaks through the band draft, uh, and then just try and get that one. Go for it. Uh, right. Like I I think you're going to need a lot of help in this. Uh, slice still uh there is a huge jump from this slice to the next one once we get to the next yeah. slice we're basically talking about a couple slices that are kind of on the same playing field um and i think i think these next three are gonna get remixed a lot as far as like how people think about how good they are uh, everyone's gonna have yeah, their own absolutely. opinions here basically yeah that so so let's start digging into those um the next three are they are still balanced from a standpoint of like starting with white it is numerically the best then green then red then yellow then purple and then blue but the way that green red and yellow are all structured is that they all have very very different strengths within those numbers right uh and that's where people will have totally different opinions on which one is actually the best if you're the type of player who wants way more influence than you want resources you're going to pick a you're going to think a different slice is better than someone who wants way more of something else or someone who wants a balanced slice so to start off with we have yellow here uh the slice that we are calling turtles paradise uh and you're gonna have to now explain that reference oh, okay so turtles paradise <laughs> uh this is a pretty silly stupid reference but it's just a reference to final fantasy 7 um i was just trying to come up with uh like literally turtles paradise occurred to me as something to call this slice uh just to give you an idea of the theme here and then i realized like oh wait that's already a final fantasy 7 thing so i just went with that um in final fantasy 7 turtles paradise is this goofy like bar uh that there is like a little side quest throughout the entire game where you just find little posters advertising the bar. And then for some reason, after you find all of the posters, you get a prize. Now, I don't know how the owner of Tur Turtles Paradise knows that you've been just like looking at posters. Like, it's not like you tell him. You just walk up to him and he's like, oh, you've seen all the posters because I'm a video game character <laughs> and I just automatically know that about you. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just a reference to a very goofy quite stupid side quest in final fantasy seven um but matt tell me about this slice uh it's just good it's a good slice uh that and that really is kind of the thing about it so of the three that we were just sort of describing this is the balanced one yes, right the equal you have one. a little bit less than the other two do but what you have is more balanced is more refined uh the, the example of that being to your left you have Tekaron Torcan, which is a 2-0 and a 0-3. You have New Albion Starpoint, which is a 3-1 and a 1-1. And then on the path to Mechatol, you have an empty slice, uh, empty uh, system uh, to your right. Next to your home system, you have an empty system. Your water cooler neighbor is the Thiba. And your uh, desk mate, your cubicle mate over here on, on your left, uh, you, you have a, a gravity rift in your equidistant. So... Uh, lots of people love New Albion Starpoint. Green skips are kind of maybe regarded as the best skip out of all of them. Skipping Daxa for Hyper is something really great, and only having to spend a 1-1 planet to do so is always great. There's lots of factions that want to get through green really quickly. Uh, and so overall, this slice is just 
evenly balanced. It's really solid. It sort of feels like the old yellow slice we had, which was big and tight. It's very similar to big and tight from last year's prelims map, where it's just like, you know what? You're almost never going to have a bad day on this slice. Right. Because you're going to get set up quickly with lots of good planets. Yeah. This is this is the optimal slice uh, compared to the next two that each have a slant either towards influence or towards resources. Um what factions do we want to talk about uh, within this slice? Because this, because this is third pick. The idea that you're going to be in Turtles Paradise, uh, or at, I should say this: this is at earliest third pick. So the idea that one of those top tier factions are going to make it through for you, I feel like the likelihood goes down quite a bit. So we're going to talk about what are our kind of mid tier factions yeah. that could possibly make it through the band draft, and then you've got access to them here. What sucks is we don't have a highway to Mechatol. So we're we're very much thinking about that when we think about like what factions are going to do well here. What do we got, Matt? Well, uh, I, I think we have, uh, like you're kind of describing, we don't have a highway. We might end up kind of holing up a lot, and I think a really good turtle faction here that wants a green skip is our Emirates of Hakan. Right? Yes. Skipping to production biomes is going to be great. Uh, and you don't need neighbors, which means you could just sit, you could literally sit in this slice and probably do great all game and only send out fleets to go take really specific planets that get you stuff later on. Right. You, you have no specific reason to get out there and do other crazy stuff. If you wanted to make a, a play for Mechatol, you totally could. You can make that jump. Uh, you could research Gravity Drive round one and jump from New Albion Starpoint over to Mechatol Rex. You're probably going to have gotten the trade goods. And if you have Torcan as well, you know, you could easily make a play for Mechatol, but you don't have to. You could just shore up your defenses, hang out and make lots and lots of money. Yes. Um, another faction that is kind of the flip side of that, um, and I think both me and Matt are kind of expecting that games are going to either have Hakan or Mentak, um, just because right. because of how the band draft shakes out, I feel like nobody's going to bother to ban both, but I feel like somebody's going to want to ban one of them each time. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's just somebody's going to be like, yeah. I don't want to play with Mentak, or I don't want to play with Hakan. It's hard to imagine someone being like, both of them have to go because they're neither of them are strong enough to really warrant, warrant that level of hatred. Uh, but Mentak is a great slice or a great faction for this slice. Uh, we've got a green skip right there on their doorstep, which Matt, that's like, I feel like that's a, your favorite thing about Mentak is yeah, I need, I, love, I, need the green I, skip. I mean, to my fault maybe, but I love doing Mentak with the new Albion green skip. New Albion star point is the greatest green skip. I mean, obviously it's better than Tarman, mm -hmm. but I love Mentak park next to new Albion star point. Obviously it's not required, but it still is great. And it's still just a great system in general for Mentak. You've got the gravity rift near you. You can yep. park something in that gravity rift and have uh, a way to siphon trade goods off of your red neighbor. Yep. Uh, you don't have any other, you have no um, anomalies that are blocking your path, right? You are wide open to the map. Uh, you don't have necessarily great access to wormholes, but you're still getting to both of your neighbors and you could go park near Mechatol pretty easily. So you have lots of neighbors to steal from. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's just a great kind of basic Mentax slice. Yes, yes. Um, and there's one more faction we wanted to talk about. What what else do we feel like makes sense in this slice? And Turtles Paradise. Hmm, I wonder. Turtles Paradise. <laughs> what will be uh, good for that? It's tough to say. I'm gonna go with Yes, it's it's extra. Uh, we 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 think uh, green skip, especially these days. I am like all about the green skip extra. I don't know why, but I've been really really digging it. Uh, I, I I don't care about nullification field these days, so I'm just all about instinct training and skipping to it makes it much much better. 
Um, and obviously having great systems like this, this is the extra that defends their slice really, really well. This is not the extra that parks next to Mechatol and like is super threatening to Mechatol all game. Right. And that's the one reason we're kind of like, eh, it's not like it's the best extra slice, but it is a solid defensive extra slice. Yeah. I like this slice for extra because I feel like your third pick round one, um, if, if you do it in the exact order that we expect people to do it in, um, and I feel like the likelihood that you're going to end up with early trade and early economic advantages are nice. Extra is going to be one of the main four commodity factions that I feel like will make it into more games often than not. Um, and also, one thing we learned about Extra last tournament is that Extra is a really popular faction in tournament yeah. play. <laughs> like, like kind of crazy how popular they become when it comes to tournaments. Um Especially last year, they were like all the rage. Everybody was crazy about them. And I just feel yep. like they're, we're going to talk about them this slice and we're going to talk about them one more time. Um, and yeah, I just think it's likely that you're going to have access to extra. They are a good, solid faction. And they kind of just go along with this slice. Like they're, they're a kind of slow and steady wins the race type of faction. And that is exactly what type of slice we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Let's jump over to our next one, our red slice, our six o'clock position, mm -hmm. which is what we are calling Daddy Warbucks. Yeah. Um, we've been talking about this trifecta of these bottom three. If yellow is the balanced one, if Turtle's Paradise is all about, you know, good, even balance, uh, Daddy Warbucks is all about the money, baby. We have eight resources and four influence at our disposal in this entire slice yep. to our right is Quan with the beta wormhole and a two one to our left is an empty system directly in front of us is a biz freya the three zero and the two zero and then on our path to mechatol rex is a zero two and a one one so they do not have early access to influence they have very little access to influence in general but they are making lots and lots of money, uh, and so this is your this is your slice to build up big war fleets, jump through the gravity rift to your right, go do bold crazy moves with lots of ships, uh, or or go pester your neighbor on the left, uh, or go through the wormhole and go wherever you want. Uh, that the uh, other advantage of it being Quan as your wormhole is the beta wormhole, the empty beta is right at the center of the map. It is it is north of Mechatol Rex, which puts you basically adjacent to every single person at the table right like you have your left and your right neighbor and then if you go through the beta wormhole you are neighbors with all three of the players on the top half of the board and you have lots of money to deal with that neighborship right you, you should be able to have defenses or aggressive capabilities to go kind of do whatever you want right um you just won't have tons of activations per round mm -hmm. um yeah so i mean i feel like this is your this is your necro slice like this is kind of an yeah. ideal necro slice necro never has a problem with command counters so if you can leverage your resources into just getting as much plastic as possible that also coupled with we've got the good side of a wormhole that we can use for all kinds of nefarious purposes of stealing specific texts um i think that this slice is so good for necro that we will see necro banned more often than not. Yeah. Just because people will be like, we don't want to see Necro in this slice. Because honestly, this slice, without Necro on the table, I feel like does kind of drop in value a little bit. Nobody can really yeah. make use of this slice as good as Necro can. Uh, the Warbucks, it's just so... It's so, <laughs> it's so based on, like, you need to be churning out a lot of plastic with this slice, and that means you need to be doing a lot of fighting. 
And when Necro right. fights, they literally make more money. They get more value out of fighting, essentially. Yeah, if this if this slice has one main disadvantage, it's that you don't have much influence, and Necro just doesn't care about that downside. Right. Like, they, they get to ignore the primary downside. If I have one other downside for the slice, it's that you have pretty terrible access to tech skips. Yeah. Uh, you've got Wellen in your equidistant to your left, and that's it. That is the only easy to grab uh tech skip obviously the beta wormhole gives you access to tarman like you you can get there but even then after that finding a third tech skip in this slice is actually quite difficult you basically have to go dig pretty deep into someone else's territory to make that happen right so you need more ships to do that with <laughs> so that's that's sort of the thing is that it's it's a trade-off uh i think yin could do decent in this slice. I don't right. think it's like an amazing yin slice, but you have a zero two in Delbutha. If you take Wellen, not only do you have a one two, but you could also eventually skip to transit diodes, which is something I love seeing out of uh, a yin brotherhood. So, and and it's not like I think yin desperately needs lots and lots of money, but you certainly could put it to use. I mean, using just those planets to build the 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 huge van isn't going to hurt anything. And uh, pumping out lots of destroyers and lots of carriers to move um, uh, infantry around and then, you know, use the destroyers to, to block hits and whatnot. Like, there, there's just a lot you can kind of pull off with Yin here. Um, it's not, again, it's not my most ideal Yin slice, but I think they, they will thrive just fine here. Yeah, um, I agree. And one other kind of edge case I want to bring up is I think if if there is... Um, if there is a place for Arborek besides um, the last slice that we're going to talk about Arborek again in, um, I feel like this could be it. Um, mostly because this slice to me feels like it's got a lot of potential, but it's going to be a slow start because yep. of a command counter problem. And Arborek is kind of already a slow start, so I feel like that's not that big of a deal for Arborek. And the idea that Arborek is going to get a lot of early resources that as we just kind of trudge through the galaxy towards Mechatol Rex or towards our neighbor, um, it just, the the disadvantage of the slice, I feel like you're going to feel it less. Now, Arborek right now, I feel like has a very low stock on the market, just in general. So I think there are a lot of people that probably heard me say that and they're like, whatever, I'm not picking Arborek no matter what. Yeah. I get that, but I do feel like this slice could be, uh, could be a spot where we see some Arborek play. I believe it. Yeah, I, I want to point out the two sort of like weird things to consider with Arborek in this slice is to your left, uh, your your neighbor has a supernova in the way. So they're not making any rush jobs on your home system, right? right? Your, right. your green neighbor definitely is is does not have the ability to do that round one. Um, so you're protected there. But then on your right, you have a gravity rift to deal with. Now, I'm of the mind that if someone's trying to make a gravity rift play around one, they're being pretty risky. Uh, I, I've done that, and I've thought it was a very risky, stupid thing for me to do. So if they, if they, if someone decides to jump through that gravity rift to try to take your home system, I guess more power to them. But that's a terrifying uh, gambit to just try and slow down an Arborek player. Right. Um, but because that Abyss Free is right in front of you. Uh, yeah, your your round one might not be great, but your round two is going to be pretty killer, mm -hmm. um, and and you're going to really grow very fast from there on out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, do we want to talk about the next slice? Absolutely. Uh, this last one uh, between these three, you know, this this trifecta again. Obviously, we've covered the balance slice, we've covered the high resource. It's time to talk about the high influence slice, which we are calling the Gash Father Part Three. Yeah. Uh, Basically, uh, 
Gashlai is back, baby, and it's the worst one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the worst Gashlai slice we've ever made. That's why it's called Gashfather Part 3. Everyone agrees Godfather Part 3 is the worst of the three Godfather films. Uh, Done explaining that. Um, <laughs> you've got you've got the supernova to your right to your left you have Aaron Amir a one two and the zero four with the red skip directly in front of you is Melon Zobat the zero two and a three one and then on your path to Mechatol is kind of an annoying little asteroid field that is here to make your day a little bit worse uh, the slice has tons of influence it's okay on resources honestly it's like you have just as many resources as the like the blue or purple slices and then you get way more influence but you have have, you have not a direct path to your neighbor on your right, and you don't really have a direct path to Mechatol Rex. So deciding what you actually do in this slice could be kind of a tricky little puzzle, and I'm interested to see what people decide you know, really works in this slice, because I don't even know that I have an answer, because I don't think it fits into my wheelhouse. <laughs> right, uh, and I think the reason that we have said this is the Gashly slice is because we have Aranam Mir, um, right next to us with the with that red skip that we don't want to spend for it unless we're getting prototype War Sun two and then Wellen is the equidistant that we share with our uh, water cooler friend. Um, so we have right. a yellow and we've got a red and then right in front of our home system we have Melon Zobat. So one of the main problems with Muat two uh, I feel like has always been more a command counter thing than a resource thing. Um, Muat has a lot of interesting ways they can spend command counters, but basically, like, no solid way to get them. So I feel like right. if you are trying to leverage your War Sun plastic to kind of overcompensate for um, not having a lot of resources in your slice, it could turn okay. Uh, it could turn okay in this. Uh, also, yeah. we have a supernova right next to our home system, so Magnus Reactor is, like... Or is it Magmus or Magnus? I forget. Magmus. Magmus. So Magmus reactor uh, is actually viable in this slice, whereas most of the time it is uh, pretty much useless. Um, Not to say that I expect to see Magmus reactor, um, but I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Yeah, I I love that point about... um muat actually needing more influence than anything this is not the muat slice where you're definitely building that second war sun easily but it's that one where you're making sure that first war sun does just fine right this is where that they're going to survive your only problem is you are basically forced to probably going into someone else's slice to like further your goals yeah uh the traits are really evenly distributed here trying to get like four of a specific type of trait could be kind of tricky you probably have to go take bear to four or have to go take a biz freya to accomplish that um uh, but again in theory or muat obviously we keep talking about muat as a good one but who else might do okay here uh i feel like i'd be remiss if i didn't throw out yin uh the main reason being Aranam, melon and wellen are all two influenced planets and that means we're going to get great use out of indoctrination um if anything, this this Gashfather slice is really awkward to send spend its influence. You have lots of it, but you actually kind of almost have more than you need. You're going to spend Mir, and then you're going to spend two more influence to get two command counters. And more often than not, you're probably actually going to spend Mir and Melon together because they're both zero resources. Right. And if you don't have Wellen, that means you kind of just have Aranam left over. Uh, so it's always going to be a little bit weird until you get one more additional influence or something like that. You might be spending a, a trade good per round to get 
a command counter or only getting the two command counters. I don't know. I'll be interested to see if people make optimal use of this slice or if there's a lot of rounds that feel like they didn't quite get the most bang for their buck. But Yin is a faction that could actually utilize that kind of two additional influence in a really powerful way. Yeah. So I think them having that plus the red skip, if you really decided to like try to skip to destroyer two or something there, there's a world where that play exists. I don't love it, but it, it, it's there. Yeah. Um, I have a really weird case to make um, for that. I might regret quite a bit, but I'm going to say that <laughs> this might be a decent Sardak slice. Um, there's not a lot of resources, which is a huge problem, but we do have a red skip that we might use for particle weave. We have a yellow skip we might want to use for transit. Um, and when I say have, I say, I'm, what I mean is we're going to have to fight for it, which is not great. Um, what we also have is we are, we are cubicle buddies with the player that has the most stuff essentially. And I, and I mean, uh, for sure, the next slice we're going to talk about is the best one. It was designed that way, but they're also right. going to have the worst faction. Uh, I personally believe that right now the best play for Sardak is for them to buddy up with the player that needs the most help in order for that player to help Sardak kind of overcome their tech issues. Um, and I feel like, and this is such a weird way to say this, um, and I feel I can feel all the disagreement in the universe right now, <laughs> um, but I feel like meta on a meta level, the, this is the most likely spot for that situation. You're next to the player that has the best slice, but the worst faction. They are probably yeah. going to need a buddy because they are probably going to get attacked early. Um, of all the slices, that's probably the one that probably needs the help the most. They're the person that Oh, someone's invading Barrack Lord of Four. I really need Teclar Legion. Here it is. There you go. Teclar Legion rules, but you kind of need a lot. <laughs> nope. It, I will say that. That will be on my tombstone. No, I believe it. I, I agree. I agree. Teclar Legion rules. Uh, never forget that you can use Teclar Legion for every round of combat in, in invasion combat. It's 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 like yeah. a morale boost that doesn't yeah. go away. It's great. Um, so yeah, I feel like you're next to the person that's that's gonna make the most use out of you. And also, this I feel like. Of the three that we've talked about, I feel like this is the this is the worst one. I think we're going to see a lot of debate between Turtles Paradise and Daddy Warbucks, but I think Gash Father Part Three actually might be the worst of these three. Um, and yeah. so I I, yeah. I feel like you getting stuck with Sardak uh, is very possible. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's do. It. Are we ready to move on to the next one? The next one we so are much ready. To we talk are ready. About. The next one is uh, it's the it's kind of the best one. So we're going to go ahead and call it the best one. Yeah. Uh, just made that really easy for you. Uh, it's the best slice. And it just is. And I won't listen to people that say, no, actually, this one's the best one. This is definitely the best one. You have so much money in this slice. Let's break it down real quick. To our left is an empty uh, system. To our right is Lazar Saculag, which is the one zero with a yellow text skip and a two one. And then on our path to Mechatol, we have Kaysen Rayron, which is a 1, 2, and a 0, 3. And then directly adjacent to Mechatol is Barrig Lurda 4, 3, 1, and a 2, 3. So just in Barrig Lurda 4 and Kaysen Rayron alone, that is a huge amount of wealth that can be spent very efficiently. And then add to that Lazar Saculag for three extra bucks. You are just rolling in cash. You are rolling in command counters. Uh, I really don't foresee players having any issues because of this slice, uh, except for the meta reason, which is that people are, like you were saying, Hunter, 
there's a very real chance that uh, Speakeasy decides to just dig right into your slice. There's a very real chance that uh, Gashfather Part 3 decides to take Lazar Sakulag from you. Uh, Gashfather Part 3 has very little resources, and those three resources sitting oh, directly adjacent to their Aaron Amir, that's, that is a, that's a good little grab for them to go take. So you will have eyes on you. You won't be the faction you necessarily wanted to be in this tournament, but you will have the best slice, but that makes you a target nonetheless. It's going to be rough going here. You're going to need to find ways to make friends in this slice. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's so important to remember with this slice is that you are going to get always pretty much last pick unless unless people mess it up which we are we are assuming that you guys are going to play this draft a certain way and then kind of leaving it up to you guys to do it however you want that's kind of our policy here but assuming you guys play it the way that we think you're going to play it you're going to get the best slice but you're going to have the worst available faction um and that, I feel like, is the kind of juiciest part of this whole system. Like, that's my favorite part, yep. uh, is that you are going to be sitting through six bands and then five picks, and then you get whatever's left over after that. Right. What's what's a bigger deal, though, is that you will almost definitely be last in speaker order pick. Oh, for sure. Um, a, a previous version of this map basically had Lazar, Sakulag, and Kaysen Rayron swapped, and the argument basically was if the Lazar Sakulag is on the path to Mechatol, it's an even better spot to put a space dock, which you're probably getting construction around one. It's almost guaranteed that you're getting construction around one. And we decided to flip it because we wanted to make that relationship with uh, your Gashfather neighbor a little bit more interesting. But it does mean you kind of have a slower start, which I'm into. I'm interested in this idea that Starting from the 12 o'clock position, starting with Speakeasy, they get the quick start, and Yellow gets the slower start, but if they, if Yellow, I mean, not Yellow, if White fills out their slice, if the best slice gets filled out, you are going to be in the best position, but you have a slower odds of getting there. Right. So, it, it'll be tricky. Um, there, there will probably be players that decide to go to Lazar Sakulag first instead so they can put a forward dock on Sakulag. Um, or if they have a way to get to Berigler to four right away, obviously they'll try to drop that forward dock on uh, Barrick. But in general, it's going to be, you're going to have some interesting decisions to make round one. But for the most part, your goal is to just keep friends while you make, uh, while you fill out your entire slice. This slice, I think we talked about extra in, uh, in turtles paradise but i think this is our other really good extra get uh because you've got a really great path to mechatol you've got a great place to station uh your forward dock and your flagship adjacent to mechatol rex you've got a yellow skip if you decide to go the nullification field route you've got a green skip nearby for instinct training you kind of just have all the things you want and the option to do either an aggressive extra or a defensive extra that was the issue with turtles paradise is you don't really have the option you kind of are forced to being defensive this one you kind of get to do whatever you want as extra yeah i think we'll see a lot of games where if turtles paradise doesn't pick extra then this is where extra is going to end up um yeah just kind of game theory or using game theory i feel like nobody nobody else is gonna pick extra that's really bold to say now that i hear it out of my mouth but um because i bet i'm gonna get totally proved wrong over and over but if if people are if people are playing into our logic right now then this is where extra i feel like will end up um the other faction we want to talk about is yin um matt i feel like you kind of have more of a yin case to make than i do though what 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 do you got 
Well, it's it's a little bit. The, I guess it's funny how anytime there's a planet with two influence, we're just like, oh, I guess that's a yin slice. But right. it's it's <laughs> always that two influence and a yellow text skip nearby that always helps a lot. Uh, and again, having lots of resources and lots of influence gives yin a lot of options. Also, a green skip nearby means you can skip to infantry too even faster. So there's a lot of solid, versatile decisions you can make with yin in this slice. Uh, we also want to throw Arborek out there one more time too because uh, it's just, again, it's a good slice. Uh, the, the big argument against Arborek here would be most people refuse to play Arborek if they don't get like very great strategy card pick which you are absolutely not getting like right. you are getting construction in this slice that is just the way it's going to be uh but i'm starting to see more and more people come around on the idea that arborek with early pds doesn't necessarily hurt you start with the red tech you're getting sarween right away you can get pds2 pretty fast if you plop two pds uh, one on case and one on ran or something round one it's not that bad. You don't need the space docks. It depends on what people think is going to happen, but I think Arborek uh, could do okay here. Yeah, yeah. I I just think that if you kind of play out the draft in your head, there's a there is a point that you can get to where it's like, well, I'm not going to take Winu. You notice we didn't recommend right. Winu for basically any slice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so. What are you gonna pick? You know what I mean. You're you're right. at you're at the bottom. I feel like we're gonna see people roll uh, the dice a lot of different ways, and I think I bet we'll see Winu. But essentially, this slice is whatever is left. Pick the one that's best for you. That's best for your play yeah. style for what you like to do. Don't I would say right. if you're this one's kind of similar to Speakeasy. Um, in Speakeasy, you got the worst slice. Uh, you should just pick the best thing. Uh, in best one, you have the best slice. Just pick the best thing available to you. Um, stay versatile. Right. Lean into lean into your play style. There's no more surprises at this point. You're picking your your faction pick is the last thing that happens. So yeah. just just go for it. Run with it. I feel the like big, we're gonna see a lot of crazy stuff in this one. Yeah, the biggest thing is that this slice has nothing that it really has to fix. Uh, which means it really does become more about you as a player. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is not a thing of like, oh, it's all influence, so you better pick a faction that can do well with all influence, or it's all resources. They better be able to survive without command counters. This one is just like, you have everything, but you're getting really the dregs. I mean, you're, you will be picking between six factions by the point it gets to you. There will have been six bands and five picks before it gets to you. So between those six factions, it really does just have to come down to whatever your play style will be able to utilize best. I don't think that there is a totally optimal faction that's going to be left to you in this slice. It then just becomes about what can you accomplish. Yeah, um, me and Matt did a mock draft just for fun where we split up all the spots and we played half the spots. Uh, and the factions that we ended up uh, being able to pick from for the best one is Ghost of Krius, Sardak Nor, Muat, Extra, Arborek, and Winu. So I mean... That's that's the type of choices you're gonna have uh, as right. the best it's one, tough. and that's why I think I, I mean honestly I think we will see a lot of extra there because it made it 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 made it in our draft. Yeah, I feel like it'll make it in a lot of drafts, and I feel like listing those six out. I feel like for me personally, it's gonna be either ghosts or extra, maybe Arborek. Um, yeah. I think I think we'll have a lot of weird. Th it'll be weirdos. There'll be weirdos that come in that are like, I play Arborek and I'm gonna do Arborek yeah. right now. Uh, <laughs> Which is wild and more power to them. And I bet you they end up taking diplomacy and just instead of construction. And, yeah. Ugh, and just what a like nightmare. and just like <laughs> messing messing with everything. But there you go. Yeah. There you go.
So that's the map, and that's that's about all we have to say on it right now. Everybody's going to have lots to say. I, I'd love to do some errata where we just kind of compile a lot of the people's biggest notes, things they want to add to it. But also, at this point, a lot of people are starting to play a little close to the chat. Like, they're, they're, they're not revealing their secrets. Everyone has started to get into the mentality of, like, I don't want to tell you what I think about this map because I don't want to reveal what my strategy is going to be when I play on it. So, But if you are willing to, I, I, I think... You should share, and uh, next week's errata, I definitely want to talk about what other people think about these different slices on this map. Yeah. Um, but that is all we've got. It's time to do errata about last week's episode, which there's not much, but there's a couple of really great things that got pointed out about the agenda phase that are worth bringing up here. Yeah, so the, so, f- the first one is from John, um, and... He is talking about political secret. Uh, we talked about the political secret card as far as like people thinking like, oh, this like stops people's faction abilities across the board. John uh, said that he would argue that political secret also turns off Mentax pillage. Now, I'm yeah. curious. You threw this in here. What is the current yeah. ruling on that? Is Does it work like so that? So that is true. John is correct. Uh, as far as I, everything I've seen is that, yeah, if, if you play a political secret on Mentak, Mentak cannot pillage during that uh, during that round of agenda wow. uh, voting. That's like my so favorite thing rough. you can do with it now. Like, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird conditional thing because obviously, like... Uh, they're only using pillage if people are doing deals during that agenda. But like, if you somehow got a hold of their political secret and you plan on wheeling and dealing a lot for this vote, what a great time to use Mentax political secret. It's a really weird use. It kind of goes contrary to what we were saying about like most. Uh, it really needs to just lean into the idea that passive abilities don't break with political secret, but the active abilities do. And this is an active ability, right. so you cannot use it. Right. That makes sense. Uh, then we got this note from Brian. Uh, Brian says, what's dumb is that Xchaw's political secret, their promissory note, does not stop them from giving uh, political favor to someone to quash anyways because political secret makes no mention of promissory notes. E. So this is sort of the opposite situation where, okay, Xchaw's not allowed to quash. You played political secret. But guess what? If somebody already has their political favor, they could use that. Now, this is an extra conditional compared to what we were just talking about because we have even gotten to the point where we kind of say extra should never give out their political favor. But if you've already given out your political secret, now's a great time to give out your political favor because at some point it might actually have value uh, when you need it. So there's kind of an interesting combo play to, to think about. Uh, next one we have is uh, from Vaunt. Vaunt was one of the finalists in the last, uh, the most recent, the first Patreon tournament, I should say. Uh, Vaunt is uh, the diplomat, we like to refer to him as. Uh, and Vaunt actually made a huge guide uh, for the agenda phase in general on Board Game Geek. Uh, it, the thread is called Strategic Thoughts on the Agenda Phase. Check it out. It's, uh, it's super. I, yeah. actually, I actually haven't read it, it- myself, but. It's it's a friggin' dissertation, and what's really funny is, as a couple people have pointed out, uh, we say a lot of the same things in it. But it's, I mean, he wrote, he wrote a novel <laughs> about the agenda phase. Obviously, he's the diplomat. He has a lot to say about negotiating and wheeling and dealing and talking through this. This is where he shines. So it is absolutely worth a read. But it's probably going to take you the afternoon <laughs> to get through the whole thing. 
so that's it. That's the show. Thank you for checking it out. We're really excited for this tournament. And uh, again, signups are still going on, probably, unless Matt from the future told you otherwise. But I can't imagine we get to 216 players in one weekend. I think it's going to take a little bit longer than that to get through all these signups. But they Who knows? are ongoing Who knows? right now. Yeah, there's, there's no telling. But you can rate us on uh, your podcast app of choice, especially Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can find us on Twitter, at SpaceCatsPod. Follow us on Facebook, uh, Facebook Space Facts Peace Turtles. Uh, we have a Twitch and a YouTube. Hunter, do you want to tell us about kind of what's coming up on the, yes. on the visual side so, of SCPT? Uh, there should have been a YouTube video that dropped either today or yesterday. Um, I'm make I'm basically forcing myself, boxing myself into that <laughs> uh, right now. Um, and I am starting to nail my Twitch schedule. What it is what it is going to look like is every Saturday and Sunday you're going to see me streaming uh, Twilight Imperium. You're going to see me streaming Dune Root all of the board games that we talk about on the show. Um, throughout the week, you're going to see me stream a lot of random experimental um, stuff. We're gonna be That's where we're going to be doing uh, the Pokemon Nuzlocke run stuff. That's where we're going to be doing just like me playing like random video games. And this is mostly to do with uh, scheduling games during the week. It's a lot harder for tabletop simulator stuff. A lot of our audience and the people that I want to play with are not available except for on Saturday and Sunday. So I've just decided Saturday and Sunday is a huge stream day. You you can depend on me to basically be there basically all day. I'm, I'm kind of volunteering myself for that level of dedication. And then throughout the week, you'll see me... Um, Whenever, basically. Right now, I can't really nail down uh, the during the week streams because I don't know exactly when they're going to occur. But there will eventually be a whole weekly schedule set up on the Twitch uh, channel. And then I would expect from now on uh, about a YouTube video per week. Maybe every other week. We'll see. Uh, as as I get used to editing video, um, we'll kind of have a better idea of like how often there will be new YouTube videos. But I would expect a lot more than there has been, for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can also find us on Board Game Geek. Our guild is slash guild slash 3103, Space Cats Peace Turtles Guild. Uh, we've been trying to ramp that up a little bit more, get more posts going there. So please come join us. Uh, you can also join our Patreon so you can get in this tournament uh, so that you can get your own episodes so that you can be a part of the Galactic Council. All kinds of benefits all through our Patreon. And if you join our Discord, you can join the secret chats that all the different Patreon levels have. <laughs> but you can also just join the Discord for free and be a part of all the other normal fun conversations that are going on weekly. I am Hunter Donaldson and I'm a co-host of the show. You've been listening to me for about an hour now and I am also a comedian. Um, I've got a couple uh, dates to throw at you. Uh, the first one is uh, my buddy Alex Falcone is moving away to sunny L.A., and he is having a very, very cool going-away show in Portland, Oregon. All of these shows are in Portland, by the way. I always forget. I feel like I throw that out at a weird time. Yeah, I'm I'm a Portland <laughs> comedian, so you got it. If you're in Portland or in the area, please come check me out. Otherwise, you know, if you're in Austin, don't fly all the way here to just see me do some show. Uh, I will tell you. I, I will come to you someday, I promise. Um, so here we go. Uh, Alex Falcone's Going Away Show, which is at Helium Comedy Club on Sunday, November 24th. Uh, it starts at 7 p.m., and the tickets are $12. This show is going to have a very high quality of Portland stand-up besides myself. Um, I will be there. 
uh, Curtis Cook, who is like a Comedy Central comedian who writes for the Jim Jeffries show, and he wrote for Crank Yankers, like the new season of Crank Yankers. He wrote for that, kind of oddly enough. Uh, he will be on the show. Um, and then Alex, of course, was uh, Portland's funniest person from last year. So yeah, me and a bunch of really great comedians on that. And then also... I am going to be on the Ha Ha Harvest Festival, which is kind of a newer Portland comedy festival, but they have a really, really great lineup. Um, so let me throw out some dates for that at you. On um, Friday, November 29th, I will be on a show called Comedy Corn- Cornucopia. I'm hosting that show. Um, it is packed with professional very high-level comedians that I have just, I do not know why I get to work with them. It is so crazy. <laughs> the It's literally just going to be me hosting it. I'm going to come out and be like, hi, everybody. I'm a little boy. And then I'm just going to bring out <laughs> these like killer, amazing comedians um, that their accolades are like, I, it's too, min- too much to even name. Um, insane really insane opportunity for me and I'm really excited about. So please check that show out. Um, Again, it is called Comedy Cornucopia. It is at the Siren Theater on Friday, November 29th at 6 p.m. Later that night, I will be on a show uh, called Synchronous with Me, which is like a really weird... I can't even describe what the show is. It's basically us just like walking through the streets of Portland and we like roll dice and play games in the middle of the street. Uh, it's very fun. It's very strange. Um, and that show is at Kelly's Olympian on Friday, November 29th at 10 p.m. Um, the next day, uh, Saturday, I will be on uh, my true crime comedy podcast, Dumb and Busted. That show is at Kelly's Olympian uh, on Saturday, November 30th at 4 p.m. And then later uh, that same day, I will be at Kelly's Olympian doing a show called Spec Script that me and Matt have both done. That's a very, very funny show um, at 830 um, and then lastly, my last show for the month is a, v- a very funny show called uh, Forgotten Fantasies, which is sort of like, um, it's like Mystery Science Theater, except for we're specifically bringing like a piece of media, like an old cartoon that we forgot about, and we just kind of play it and make fun of it. Um, and that show is at Kelly's Olympian on Sunday, December 1st at 8 p.m., Almost, we're almost through, and then I won't be overloading the end of the episodes with all of my comedy stuff. <laughs> uh, I thank you guys so much for if, if you guys even listen to that at all. I thank you so much for that. Um, <laughs> now, what do we give them at the end to make it worth it? What's our little secret nugget? Do we have a secret stuff, secret thing for just for them? I have a secret. Oh, okay, Hunter's cousin was in the Little Rascals, and you have to guess which one. Go, 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 my little beloveds. Go figure out which one of the people in Little Rascals is Hunter's cousin. That's so weird. Well, and first of all, he's not my cousin cousin. He's like my second cousin or something like that. Um, (laughs) And I only only ever saw him once, uh, and I'll probably never, (laughs) ever speak to him again. Distant relative. Pretty distant. But you know what? I'll say this much. He kind of looks like you. Yeah, you can kind of. He looks like a. He looks like a young you. I think he, that's there. I think that's why I bring it up every once in a while because my mom just like kind of told me that when I was young. Like even after I think I had met the dude, it was like afterwards she was like, "Oh yeah, 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 that guy's like kind of vaguely related to us." Um, and then I was like, <laughs> "Man, I, I kind of see it. I, I kind of feel it even." <laughs> that could have been me. But yeah, so go watch the '90s Little Rascals remake. <laughs> Um, get that on and then rate it on our podcast yeah yeah go watch that on vhs go get a vhs copy of that and a vhs player and then rate it on our itunes five stars if you liked it five stars if you didn't like it (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>